Afternoon everybody and welcome to a rather stripped down edition of uh, Grecian's Gossip this week. It's just uh, David Byram and myself Howard Lloyd. Um, nevertheless we'll press on, a few, uh, few things to discuss today. Um, David, sign off with the obvious I suppose, two defeats on the trot for Exeter City. Obviously not, uh, not great. Do you think that's a bit of a reality check for them this season? To an extent, yeah I think uh, a bit of a reality check, a bit of a... a, a need to, to take their chances you know I think we sat here quite a bit this season and said uh, you know this not taking the chances could come back and haunt, haunt Exeter a bit and uh, it has in the past couple of games really and I think a few fans might be getting a bit carried away with two defeats on the trot because they were to, to a very good side but um, I think it's a, you know I think it's keeping the feet on the ground a, a little now mm. okay, it's been a bit of a Contrast hasn't it? Because by all accounts, they were so fairly outplayed by Coventry on the uh, on the Saturday. Then against Tuesday, by all accounts, not a bad performance at all. Just a uh, clinical Notts County side. Pretty much, yeah. Um, you know, they never really got going against Coventry, and you know, just uh, on another day, Coventry could have scored a few more goals. But on another day, City could have uh, could have got a point if if Ruben Reed had scored. And against Notts County, much improved. Uh, created quite a few chances. Probably more half chances than actual chances, but at the same time, you know, the sort of thing you think, oh, they could have scored there. A couple of penalties appeals turned down. Uh, but, you know, Notts County, well drilled, just kept, you know, just had the cutting edge, had the purpose, and it was something that City lacked, really. It was a real lesson in how to be clinical in, in front of goal and when you get the ball into the attacking third, really. Well, I mean, you caught up with um, Sahel Sahi, didn't you, the BBC um, Devon commentator, uh, about the commentary game, I think, in, in particular. And we gather he's a fan of the podcast, which is uh, Sahel, if you're listening, hello. Um, but uh, yes, we give a listen to, uh, to what he had to say about the commentary game and, and go from there. You've seen uh, two Exit City games this season, uh, Barnet away and, and Coventry away. I, I guess a bit of a mixed bag in terms of results there. Uh. Yeah, very much so, David. Um, the Barnet won, as we know, you were at both games. That was a, a fantastic performance, wasn't it? They dug deep. You, I'd say Barnett were on top. They took the lead and they were on top for the first um, hour. I think Exeter struggled maybe to get to the pace of the game until Paul Tisdale, the manager, brought in here on Boateng and they took control. And once they equalised, there was only going to be one winner. But Saturday at um, the Rico Arena, Coventry, they deserved all three points. They uh, dominated from start to front, as we both know. Paul um, Tisdale post-match was um, not very happy with, with the overall performance from his team that day. But I still go back to that, that, that golden chance that Ruben Reid had just before commentary scored the second goal. If uh, Exeter equalised there, they leave you know the Midlands with a point. And a really, really good point. And that sets you up for a very different game to the one that actually took place last night against Notts County at St. James Park. Because taking a point away from the Rico Arena, you know, and, and probably their worst performance of the season, it, it, it sets you up in a different um, mentality as you head to your next game. But they did manage to convert that, that 
one and only chance they created um, on, on that particular afternoon. And, and of course, we know what happened against North County, David. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned that trance, and I, I suppose, in a, in a weird way, it might be a bit, bit of a positive that, you know, they, they have lost a game, but even when they're playing poorly, as they were on Saturday, that they only go down, I mean, you can write, as, as you sort of said, you can write the second goal off in a way because City were throwing players forward at that point, and, you know, they only go down to a 1-0 loss and have still missed the golden chance to, to get something for the game, even playing badly, haven't they? Yeah, which, which I think in the... In, in, in the big scheme of, of, of a season don't, don't forget games are, are individual events and what happens the whole season I think Paul and his backroom staff Matt Oakley as we know now is his assistant will look at that I think even on, that is probably their, their worst display of the season so far uh, you think about that chance though it was a very good opportunity something that you would thought at that time the league you know two's leading goal scorer Ruben Reed with seven league goals at that time would have converted it was a lovely threaded ball from midfield from Lloyd James to Ruben Reed on the edge of the area give, give the commentary goalkeeper though Lee Burge a lot of credit he didn't half dash off from his goal line and, and make the goal you know a lot less uh, bigger than it is he, he basically made the target smaller a lot more smaller and he saved it on his chest so you know give, give the goalkeeper credit because I always I always think you know some some um, commentators people who watch the games always say he should have scored he should have scored but why should he have scored when the goalkeeper's there why do you have a goalkeeper then so you've got to give the goalkeeper credit in that situation as well but going back to the question you posed yeah it, it's still positive I, I think I think most football managers well uh, almost 100% out of 100 will always look at positive uh, the positive aspects of a game even when they lose so I think you know Paul Tisdale and his backroom staff can drag that positivity out of that game and uh, I mean it was a great pass for, for the Charles as well from, from Lloyd James wasn't it straight, straight through the middle and he you know he was one of those players who, who really seems to have improved from, from last season as well yeah yeah, he does. He, he plays with his head up, doesn't he, David? He plays with his head up. He's always looking to go forward, which is, I think, for a midfield player, the hardest task. Uh, lots of midfield players, you know, they, they try and keep it simple, play it square and back, play the percentages. But uh, you, you very rarely find a midfielder who who's always trying to threaten to break the lines or looking for a forward ball. And Lloyd James does that superbly well. Hasn't got the best engine. He, he, he's not a sprinter. And he's not even a tackler, but he doesn't half play with his head up high. And he looks around and he can spray a ball from right to left or left to right. And he always looks to get, break that line between midfield and defence, that in between no man's land, as you like to call it on a football pitch, where, you know, a number 10 plays and tries to drag a centre-half towards him. Lloyd James always tries to ping a ball into those spaces. And those two spaces in between the centre midfielders and also between the two centre-halves are, are probably the two difficult, most difficult places to find players from forward passes inside your own half or, or around the centre circle than anywhere else on the pitch. Because they're the most crowded pair for um, areas of the pitch. Whenever you think of tactics and managers setting up their teams, everyone talks about those two blocks of players in central midfield and the two defenders, two centre-halves. They're, they're the most difficult places on a football pitch to penetrate. And Lloyd James does that, which I think is credit to him. And uh, obviously it was it was disappointing to, to see City lose their first game on, on Saturday, but... You know, let's not let's not take anything away from Coventry. They they were a good side, weren't they? You know, Jody Jones on on the wing, especially. You know, gave City a, a torrid time in defence. 
Yeah, he did. He looks a good player. 19 years of age. They bought him from Dagenham Rebels. They found a good player indeed. And also, the, the, the young lad, um, Devon Kelly Evans, who scored their second goal. That's his first ever goal in professional football. He's, he was all a five foot three, five foot two even maybe. But he he also caused problems down the opposite side as well. Yeah, they look they look a good bet. I think they'll be one of those sides there or thereabouts. It's difficult. It's difficult. So early. We what we play ten games now. I think the season is starting to motor, though. I think, I think this next month now, coming up, David, in October, I think yeah. you'll start seeing a league take shape. But we're still quite early. But I think Coventry will be amongst the top seven or eight clubs. I always, go, I always think now, because Exeter made, uh, and Paul Tisdale and his Exeter team from last season made a fool of a lot of people. Because they were, they were rock bottom in November. Now, I'm right in saying that, aren't I, David? They were rock bottom yeah. in November last yeah. year. And, you know, look where they ended up. But I think if you look at the last four or five seasons, teams who are rock bottom in November don't end up in the playoffs. It, 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 it's such a rarity. It's like that time that Roy Keane took over Ipswich in the Championship. And, you know, and, then, and, and they were at the bottom three, and the next thing you know, he got them promoted. It's such a rarity. So I think that's, that's a one-off. That doesn't happen every season. I think the league next month, you know, when, when we have the next international break, even though you know League One and League Two don't have an international break, I think October, November, the league def- definitely starts forming, and I think uh, commentary will be in that bunch who, who are targeting either automatic or the playoffs. And uh, what of Exeter? Do, do you think they'll be they'll be in that bunch as well? I, I I don't have no doubt. I really don't have no doubt. I think they genuinely genuinely will be in that bunch. I think you've got to look at. The fantastic start they had. They've had a hiccup. They've had another hiccup. It, it's about it, on Saturday now at home to Morecambe. It's about picking up a, a positive result, whether that's a, a point or three. They don't want to go into another defeat. I think that will start um, putting doubts even in in the players' minds. I don't think you want that. I think Paul came out with a fantastic quote after the uh, Notts County game last night. Said. We need to start a game. So they play 10 games. After 10 games, I think if you ask any Exeter fan on August the 5th, after 10 games, you're going to have played, you're going to have won seven, drawn one, lost two. So that's 22 points. Everyone would have snapped your hand. It's the way what's happened in this last week that there's a little bit of cloud hanging over St. James Park right now. Only a little, a little shower cloud, I like to call it. But I think if you asked anyone at the start of the season, after 10 games, you would be second, you've got 22 points, and then your 11th game is at home to Morecambe. I guarantee you, nine and a half out of 10 excellent fans would have, would have went for that straight away. Don't you agree? Yeah, definitely, to be honest. I, I mean, I think it's been, a, it's almost, it's difficult to, to call it a tough run. It's such because it is only two games, but you know, he's uh, had two games against Coventry and then Notts County side who, who really impressed me on, on Tuesday night. It's, it's a bit harsh on the way it sort of happened to, to Exeter, really. But you know, the, the, you have to look. You just have to look at the the previous games to to realise that you know they they have got a good side here, and two losses aren't gonna aren't gonna change that. I also I also think I'd like to make a point on this as well. I also think David, I think with the signings that Paul Tisdale's made, I think now is the time after these two defeats. I think you're going to see him slowly, not slowly. I think you'll see him introduce Dean Moxie. I think you'll see him introduce Jaden Stockley. I think you'll see him introduce him and Boateng. I think those three players, I think everyone, every supporter knows, are going to force themselves into the starting 11. I think those three players make up Paul Tisdale's best 
11. It's who he replaced them. And I think this is the time now that he starts making those changes. You don't pay a £100,000 club record fee and Jaden Stockley is going to make an impression of the bench. He's going to start. Now, does he start in, 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 in the place of Ruben Reid or Liam McAlinden? Or does he start up top on his own? Does Dean Moxie come in for Craig Woodman? Or does Dean Moxie play down the left side of midfield? Um, or do, does Hiram Boateng come in for Lloyd James or Jordan Tilson? These are the questions I think Paul and his backroom staff will be, will be pondering this week. And I think on Saturday at home to Morecambe, you will see a couple of those um, chaps I just mentioned you know, start from, from, from the off. A bit like Jaden Stockley started from the off against Notts County. But I've got a feeling you'll see Dean Moxie and um, Hiram Boateng start making inroads into that starting eleven. Definitely, but I mean, I've, I've always made the argument as well. It would have been incredibly harsh for, for Paul Tisdale to change the size when they were winning, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't it? To, to bring those new signings in, uh, despite the fact no one else has done anything wrong. Yeah, and, and, and you and, 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 and you can't and you can't really do that. I don't think any football manager would do that because if then you go and lose, you've, you've, got, you've got straight away something to you know to throw at the manager. But I think this is a great opportunity yeah. now for him to start bringing these players that we mentioned into the starting 11. And then you've got the likes of Carl Edwards, who gave his debut, and also, you know, um, Kane Wilson, the other young lad that they've got on loan from West Brom um, up until January. You can start introducing them as well. But I think those three players, I think they're going to start making their way into the starting 11. It should be interesting to see what the shape of the side will become, because I haven't... I can't say this, and I think I'd be wrong to say that, oh, Jaden Stockley can't play with Ruben Reed, but there were a couple of times on Saturday at Rico Arena where they got in each other's space, and then I'm interested to see if he doesn't play them together, or would one of them play with Liam, or will only you play one of them? It'd be interesting to see what Paul does over the next couple of weeks. Because I sometimes have a feeling that... Um, he wants his team to be a little bit more solid. He's talked about that a few times this season. He wants his team to be more robust, more solid. And I think he might sacrifice with playing two strikers up front and just play one man and flood the midfield a bit more. So it might be a bit more of a 5-3-2 um, or a 4-5-1. I think he wants to dominate the middle of the park a lot more. And uh, so, just uh, just on Exeter in general, so how? I mean, I know from speaking to you at, at press boxes up and down the country, you, you seem to love love enjoy uh, or love covering the club and enjoy covering the club. Uh, you know, what, what is it about Exeter that you seem to seem to enjoy so much? It's one of my pleasures. It's my seventeenth football season now as a football um, reporter slash commentator, and it's been one of my great pleasures since two thousand and nine. I think when I first. Um, commentated for BBC Radio Devon on, on an Exeter game. It was away at Swindon at the county ground. And I remember I couldn't um, pronounce Kevin Amanqua's name. I was having such difficulties that afternoon <laughs> pronouncing Kevin Amanqua. And he came to my local club, funny enough. I told him the story about it. And he laughed as well. He, uh, and um, and uh, I think it's, it, you just feel like a, it, it feels real. Because I, 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 get, I get the real privilege in, in my other BBC work to, to cover games you know, in the Premier League and also the championship and occasionally a few Champions League games as well. But Exeter, watching Exeter and covering Exeter, it feels like you're watching real football with real people. And 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 to be very honest as well, Paul Tisdale, the manager, win, lose, or draw, he, 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 um, he really respects the 
you know, the, the journalists, as commentators and yourself, journalists asking him questions post-match. He, he teaches, he teaches, he, 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 he treat, treats you with a lot of respect. And I really, you know, I, I really, I really thank him for that. I think it's such a pleasure to work in and around whenever you're watching Exeter City to watch them play and, and the people around the club, even people like Julian Tagg and, and so on and so forth. It's, it's such a good football club. It's just, you know, I just hope, you know, the best for them and I hope they have another cracking season. I've got a feeling they will, David. I think, I really do. I think, I think they've got such a deep squad. You look at the bench on, on the last few um, nights, it was strong. And then there's players like Ryan Harley, who's been out for a while. Where will Ryan Harley come back into that midfield as well? That's why I think, when I go back to that question, I've got a feeling when everyone's fit, I think you're going to see uh, maybe a 4-5-1 formation with Jason Stockley up front and people like Ryan Harley and Lee Holmes or Jake Taylor um, because he's probably got a bit more legs in him than Lee Holmes joining um, Jaden Stockley in the attack. And then you've got Lloyd James, Jordan Tilson, and Hiram Boateng. I can see those five in midfield with Stockley up front on his own. Well, okay then, so hell, well, I mean, thanks for, thanks for answering the questions and, and being on Greece and Scotland. Thank you for having me, David. Well, those were Sahel Sai's thoughts on the, the Coventry game. Um, Notts County, David, I mean, they, it was top of the table clash, they obviously came away with a pretty handsome, handsome win. Are they um, strong contenders this season, do you think? I think so. Um, I think they're probably probably the best side I've seen this season. Toss-up between them and Coventry, obviously. Uh, I think Notts County just had the greater cutting edge and you know the, the strength in depth. Kevin Nolan made five changes to the side that, that won on Saturday and went top on Saturday and now uh, gone clear. And so they still came away with a 3-0 victory. It, it was a very good performance. and you know they, they didn't do anything spectacular, but they still came away with a 3-0 win, which I think says, says all you need to know about that sort of side at the moment. You know, com- uh, confident, well-drilled and... Uh, whether they can keep it up, uh, it, it's it's another matter because you know a, a year ago today actually Notts County came to came to Exeter and won two nil. Exeter were bottom near the bottom of the league and Notts County just moved into the playoffs with that and then they went and lost ten and ten in a row and almost got relegated. <laughs> so you know it, it's a case of if they can keep that up. A, a few fans were sort of taking the Mickey out of that last night and singing "We're Staying Up," which is was quite funny, but. Um, uh, they were definitely the most sort of well-drilled and confident side I think I've seen this season, and definitely the mo- most clinical. Which, at this stage of the season, it can only be a good thing for them. Mm. You expect to see them up there at the end of the season? Or? I think so. Yeah, I think. Uh, I you know, if I was to stick my neck out, I think in the past two games plus City, we've seen the three automatic promotion teams. But at the same time, you have to see how City will bounce back from from these two defeats. I think. Coventry and, and uh, Notts County both look great. They've both got good strength and depth, as Exeter have. So there's no reason why those three teams can't, can't sort of go up automatically. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a good point you raised. I mean, very early days, City's still in a strong position, but how concerned should they be after those two two losses? Not massively concerned, I don't think. I think it is, you know, two defeats to two good sides. Um, and I think if you were sat here after a after a similar performance from on, on Tuesday night that I had on Saturday, I think you could be more concerned because that's two games in a row where they, they played poorly. But at the same time, the, the exit of City of Tuesday night were vastly in, in, improved on the, the side that played on, on Saturday. And I think you know, that's a positive in, in its own right. And 
I think that Coventry and, and Notts County were just a cut above at the moment, but that's nothing to be ashamed about. It, that's you know momentum and, and, and stuff like that. And uh, I think if Paul so can freshen it up a bit and you know maybe make a couple of changes on on Saturday against Morecambe and Morecambe side they should be, then uh, you know I, I don't think there's too much to be concerned about. I think uh, well in in my chat with Sir Hale, Sir Hale mentioned that. You know, it's almost a case of starting over at this stage. You know, I mean, it's ten games gone, two losses in a row. But at the same time, if you just said to an exit at the start of the season, after ten games, in one seven, draw one, lost two, they take it, wouldn't they? Mm, absolutely. I think it's also probably worth remembering. It's such a long, hard season, isn't it? That ten games really isn't. Uh, we're not even a quarter of the way through, aren't we? So uh, no, it's, exactly. Uh, a long way to go. And I mean, I remember speaking to an exit fan. I think after the Lincoln win. And they were actually a little concerned that they started too well. Because they said, uh, and it's a, a very good point, you know, you win five games at the start of the season, or seven as it is for City, and um, teams will mark you out as a, as, a, as a threat and raise a game against you. But, you know, you move, in, move forward a couple of months and you're a mid-table side and you win seven out of ten. Then teams aren't going to really pay as much attention to that because you're not going to be near the top of the league. Mm. Whereas you can, go, you can almost go top two early, but... I don't think Exeter have done that so much. I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll see. have to wait and see what happens. Mm, OK. We mentioned Paul Tisdale earlier. Here are his thoughts um, discussing the Morecambe game coming up. Beaten by a good side. Um, I thought we showed plenty of energy and intent tonight in many areas which we lacked on Saturday, so I was pleased with that um, response. But beaten by a good side and I have to say, I thought the first two goals we conceded were disappointing. and. Uh, you can see goals like that. It's very, very hard to win football matches. The first one was was, uh, <laughs> was very simple—a kick and a flick and a finish. I mean, it's uh, you, you'd want to do better as a, as, a, as a back four. And the second one was sort of indecisive in the box, which we haven't been for a long time. So, um, all in all, disappointed night. But I think we showed plenty of energy. There was no lack of no lack of um, endeavour and. Eagerness to, to play and whatever, but we uh, got some work to do. You know, it's we lost, we've lost some points, but you know, we'll have to accept that and uh, try not to lose anything else from what have been you know, a very good couple of months. And we just have to draw a line and start again. We are 10 games in now. It has been an excellent start to the season, the last couple of results aside. Is there anything that you can put it down to why there have been a few blips over the last couple of games? Yeah, um, we've got one or two ideas. I'm certainly not going to broadcast it, if you don't mind. That's fine with me. Um, and we play against two very good sides. I'd be surprised if those two teams aren't in that sort of top um, bracket, challenging for uh, promotion. So we should be too hard on ourselves. We're going to get plenty of hard games this year. Um, we want to be one of those teams, and we've got some, some work to do and some lessons to be learned. And players have, have, have worked particularly well and you know, got some good results. We have to now we have to settle and start again. Certainly in the first half, some great opportunities from the side. Did it kind of feel like one of those nights where it just wasn't going to fall for City? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I don't, don't believe about any, any bad luck or anything like that. You know, we played against a good team, scored some scored some goals, and we didn't. And yeah, we tried really hard, and just the ball didn't go in the net for us. And they scored a very, very simple goal in the first minute, and the the, the the second goal for them was a real 
the hammer blow for us. It makes, makes it such a big, big um, task to come back from that. So yeah, it, was, it, 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 it wasn't a great night for us. But I thought I thought there was some, as I said, there was some a real endeavour in the side and just didn't go away tonight. But we have to move on. One of the positives from this evening, Carl Edwards seemed really lively when he came on, very fast, very skillful as well. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a young player, it's his first game in league football, he's, he's got a lot to learn, he showed some real glimpses of some real speed and if he can use his strengths, uh, I think uh, you know, he could be a real asset for us and uh, hopefully he's enjoyed the night and albeit a disappointing night for the team, he's, he's I'm sure, um, grateful for his chance and we're glad to have him. Very busy run of fixtures, isn't it? This this kind of run around October time with Tuesday night games as well. Uh, Morecambe next up here at St James Park on Saturday, an opportunity to, to put things right quite quickly. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think one thing we have to be careful: we can't promise winning any game. We can promise how we think and how we react from today and how we prepare for next game, but you know, we can't promise the next result. You can't just will it. The opposition got something to say about it as well but you know we have to respond in the right way I'm sure we will and we've got a good very good group of players and they think and they follow the lead really well and you know when they when they're given some direction and some encouragement you know, they, they always respond so I'm sure they will and it's okay it's another game here at the park so great chance to, to bounce back we can't promise anything other than the way we we now prepare into that next game. In some ways, is that the danger of setting the bar so high so early on? It's it's trying to kind of keep up with that pace, particularly with the supporters as well, who are kind of create uh, cra craving success in every in every match. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, I've I've been, I've been you know, clear to, to make the point that it's very early days and it's a long season, and we have to win more than we lose. So so far, we've done that. Um, we've lost some points, but we have to make sure it's, it's not more than just the points. It's not our confidence, it's not our belief, and not our um, unity as a team. And we have to learn some lessons today. We're playing against a very um, streetwise team today. Uh, some very good players, but they they, they were you know, very showed a lot of nerves on the pitch. And uh, so Richard Duffy, who we know very well, who played refereed the game very very well and you know we just have to we just have to learn from what we saw today and, and take it to the next game. That was um Paul Tisdale. Um does Tis need to make changes do you think David? I think he needs to freshen it up a bit, yeah I think um I mean well one of the questions we got here on Twitter was about whether it was a stale element to, to City. I won't go that far but um yeah I think you got players like Heron Boating on the bench and Dean Moxie on the bench. And Carl Edwards came on on Tuesday night and, and impressed off the bench. I think when you've got players like that who are, who are starting to make an impact off the bench and you find yourself losing when they're coming on, I think it's a case of maybe you start with these players and see what they can do. Um, I think the midfield and has looked a little a little off the past couple of games. I think you know Jordan Tilson and Lloyd Jones are starting the season really well and are a good partnership, but at the same time it doesn't seem to be clicking so much at the moment which perhaps it's just due to, due to the teams they played but at the same time 
you've got a player like Bothing, you might as well throw him in and, and see what happens. Mm. It was Mark Lee on Twitter, wasn't it, who, who asked these questions, did Tisley leave it too late to change the starting eleven? Was there a stale element to the performance at Coventry? Um, I know Jamie, who isn't with us today, but he also talked about how, how tired he felt the team was, particularly against Coventry. But I guess I guess his is almost down if he doesn't, down if he doesn't, in terms of great start to the season by and large, particularly up to the Coventry game, so why would he change yeah. something that was working so well? I think it would be unfair to change it, mm. you know, you, no player has done anything badly, so why why change it for the sake of training it, you, you know, you brought these players in and I think everyone knows they're going to be in the starting level sooner rather than later, but at the same time, it's almost like their, their incoming has raised the level of the players who are still there because they know there's more competition. So that I, I think you know if that ain't broke don't fix it really but now it's a little broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, having said all of that, yeah, do you, can you envisage Tiz making some radical changes or? I don't think anything too radical. Uh, I think uh, we'll probably still see the four four two in place, that sort of thing. Uh, I think that the spine of the team will still be there because you know Tiz always speaks about the spine of the team and, and how he wants it to be robust and that sort of thing. So I don't think he'll go overboard with the changes. But I think we could see, I think we might see Dean Moxie in, um, start making his first start, and maybe here on both in as well. Mm. So, you know, the three sort of permanent signings from the summer could, could come in. And may, maybe Carl Edwards, because he impressed on uh, on Tuesday night, but it, it, it's that one's a bit of a, you know, I don't think Lee Holmes or, or Jake Taylor have done too much wrong, to be honest. Mm. So a prediction for Saturday? 2-1 to City. Mm-hmm. You're optimistic they'll uh, bounce back. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, as I said, uh, Newport and... Well, not Newport, uh, Notts County <laughs> and, uh, and Coventry were just a, a cut above, really. And I think if that was a, a poorer team they were playing on Tuesday night, then City would have got the three points. Mm-hmm. Sure, OK. Well, let's address a few of the, um, the other questions we've had on t- uh, Twitter. Anthony Beveridge, he asks, uh, why isn't Berteng starting? Uh, I think it's just because he's not played much competitive football recently you know he um, it's almost a little like Ruben Reid last season not to such an extent because he had a club and he, but he didn't have much of a pre-season with Crystal Palace and you know he, he, he can have a pre-season but pre-season ends on August 1st and then he moved to a new club on August the 31st so even that is 30 days without with just training so I think it's a case of just you know getting him match sharp getting him ready I think we've seen as well that his uh his sort of substitute appearances will start getting longer, so you know maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll start on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Mark, we've addressed uh, his question already, but I mean Paul Sussex. Another one is uh, Jordan Moore Taylor more key than we realised, or is it a coincidence that we've conceded five goals since he's been off the pitch? I, th- I think I I think it would be strange if people didn't realise that Jordan Moore Taylor is a key mm-hmm. player. To be honest, because you know he and Troy Brown have formed such a, a key partnership at the back. And I think that's part of that is you know part of the reason why they have conceded five goals without Jordan Moore Taylor, because that partnership's well one half of that partnership's now off the pitch. Um, I think I didn't think Troy Archibald Handel had a good game on on uh, Tuesday night, and I, I think that Troy Brown almost suffered through the lack of Jordan Moore Taylor because, as we saw at the start of last season, uh, if you've got a back four and it's it's sort of solid and stable then it's going to be a lot more rock solid than a back four you have to keep dropping and changing. Um, I think Luke Kroll's absence has, has sort of come at the wrong time for him because I think he would have been first choice to, to start alongside Troy Brown in, in Jordan Moore Taylor's absence. But um, yeah, I, I think as we as I said, I think 
Troy Brown's mistake for the second goal wouldn't have happened if, if Jordan Moore-Taylor was playing and that. And I don't think the first goal would have happened if Jordan Moore-Taylor was playing. So I think having to take someone out of that back four does, does sort of destabilise everything a little. And I think it also shows what a good defender Troy Brown and Jordan Moore-Taylor are together. Mm. They tend to complement each other quite well, I think, don't they, Jordan Moore-Taylor and Troy Brown? Yeah, they're both sort of quite baffling players, but you've got... It's almost like Little and Larger, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You've got Jordan Moore-Taylor, who's a, a bit sort of shorter, but, you know, quite physical himself. And then... Troy Brown, the sort of baffling... The enforcer. On Tuesday night, he went straight through... I, th- I think he was trying to try and win a header, and I think he ended up going straight through someone using his chest. <laughs> and the guy was on the floor for a good minute, wasn't <laughs> it? And I thought, I would not want to be the person on the end of that. Um, but yeah, I think it's... A, with uh, As you say, they complement each other quite well. I think perhaps Troy Archibald Hemble and, and Troy Brown are a little too similar. Both sort of quite big... Players, Troy Brown's a, a, probably a little more pacey than Troy Archibald Hemville, but neither is sort of blessed with pace either. So I think it's a case of if a team is playing a long ball, let's say like Lincoln would play a long ball game, I think they could cope with that. But if a team's got a little more nouse about them, which, which Ross County did, I think the two of them together might struggle a little more with that. Mm. Does this have the options to, to rotate at all, to change it around? Uh, people suggested playing Dean Moxett centre-back, which would be an interesting suggestion. And I think he's kind of similar to, to Jordan Mortaver, I guess. But, I, you know, I don't think he's really got the, uh, I don't, I, the sort of physicality. I think that, that would be my my biggest issue with playing Dean Moxett centre-back. You know, he's a tall, muscular player, but is he is he the sort of player who could sort of grapple with a defender or, or with an attacker or something like that? Whereas Dawn Moore Taylor can, can sort of wrap it a little more. But um, I think that could be an interesting shout, to be honest. Mm. But I guess we'll have to wait and see on Saturday. He's proved himself as a versatile player in the past, hasn't he, I suppose? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, you know, his experience you know, playing Premier League football for Crystal Palace and that sort of thing, it was certainly in good stead for playing at a centre-back, and there's no reason why he couldn't. But at the same time, I think he'd perhaps be limiting his abilities elsewhere as well if he, if he played in a centre-back. Mm, sure, OK. I'll watch this space and I'll be interested to see, uh, see what Tiz goes with. Um, just finally, we've got a question from uh, Exeter City Polls. He asks, is Reed and Stockley definitely a bad partnership? So which uh, which one would you partner with McAlinden if you had to choose? I don't think they're a bad partnership. I think they they can take a little while to gel because they are relatively similar and there isn't, they're not blessed with pace, the, the two of them. But... Um, Stockley and Reed actually linked up okay at times on on Tuesday night, not as often as you would like, but that just comes with, you know, getting to know each other and getting to know each other's game. Um, I think Mac, if you are looking for a pacing option, McAllen is obviously the, the player to choose, um, and he's played well with Reed and Reed. I think you can't really say for definite which one you'd rather have with with McAllen because you're not seeing Stockley and McAllen up front together. So it's a, apart from five minutes at the end on Tuesday night, so it's a bit of a, a difficult one. I I think to say Reed and Stockley are a bad partnership is just writing them off after, what, 120 minutes of football, which mm. is, you know, I think uh, I wrote an opinion piece today on that sort of reactionary football fan, and I think mm-hmm. that's far too reactionary to say that. Um, I think, I'm not sure if we'll see them up front on Saturday, but I think, you know, they can play together. They're both intelligent footballers I don't see why they couldn't mm, You think Tiz will give them some time just to, to bed in and get used to each other's game? Uh, possibly yeah um, They, like I say you could see the improvements there on, on Tuesday compared to, to Coventry when 
both of them were completely anonymous, which is partly to do with the awful service they were given, but also, you know, they they sort of occupied similar positions on the pitch. This time, uh, when Stockley or Reed were pushed forward, the other one would sort of drop back into a bit of a deeper role for the flick on and something like that, and that seemed to work quite well. Um, in fact, I think it was City's best chance of the game came from Stockley nodding it down to Reed, who played it out wide to Holmes and pulled it back to Woodman. Woodman crossed it into the box, uh, which Stockley nodded it down to Taylor, who had an effort that was saved. And you know, it's clear that it can work. Like it just takes a bit of practice, really. But you know, that, that's with every new signing. Mm. How do you see the two of them sort of playing together in terms of complementing each other and that sort of idea? I think you know, Reed can can sort of feed off of flick-ons and stuff like that because he's not he's not got the most aerial presence himself. He can win a few headers, but you know, he's nowhere near as tall as Stockley is. So if, if Reed can sort of perhaps play off the, the last man a little more, um, which he's been trying to do recently, is, you know, he had made some intelligent runs that he just hasn't had the service that the ball's in. But um, if he can play off the last man's shoulder and sort of feed off of Stockley's flick-ons and that sort of thing, I think they, they could work well together. Um, I think Stockley and McAlinden could, could work well together as well, but I think... I, for me, I persevere with, with Stockley and Reid at the moment. Well, we'll see what his, um, his chooses at the weekend. That's everything for this week. Thanks very much for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll be back with our Fuller House next week. Fuller House next week. <laughs>